Yes, hello there and happy new year as we head towards 2023. Final show of 2022 on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable host, somewhat rested after a long Christmas weekend in Arizona, going all the way from Tampa Bay out to Arizona. Dramatic overtime football win from my Buccaneers as part of their local radio broadcast. Get all the way back here, still doing some Christmas stuff, even on Tuesday as we release this podcast. The six days of Reeves Christmas, I think, are now over. Good to be with Dr. John Lewis. You read him. You get to see all of his stuff on sportsmediawatch.com. You hear him on this podcast. Hopefully your Christmas was good. We're getting ready for New Year's. How are things, sir? Uh, You know, just getting by, trying to stay warm like so many other people are and getting ready for uh, the new year. This is kind of the black box week, right? Nothing really typically happens between Christmas and New Year's. It's almost not really even on the calendar. So just uh, get through this week and then get started anew in 2023. Absolutely. And thank God we were not part of commercial air travel as the disaster continues with hundreds of thousands of people delayed, stranded, Uh, Since last weekend and even into Monday, Tuesday of this week, craziness. Um, And and, uh, we just we wish everybody well amongst the travel night nightmare, reliving planes, trains and automobiles with Steve Martin and and John Candy. Find any way you can to get home right now, even though that one's set around Thanksgiving. It's still appropriate in and around the holidays on the, uh, the travel. By the way, however you found this podcast, thank you for doing so. Whether you found us through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com, through a social media link, make sure you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. Uh, We always uh, love getting feedback from you folks. Uh, Rate us and review us. Give us a five-star review. More people find out about the show that way. Easiest way to get us is to follow or subscribe. Now, we should say that our other podcasts that are on the feed, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Offman that usually has a Chicago sports media slant. It is on a little break for the end of the year, the holidays, uh, New Year's. It will be back soon in January. It's normally on this podcast feed. And our guys have done a tremendous job uh, is ever since the summer, all the way through here to the end of the year on the announcer schedules podcast on this podcast feed as well, John, uh, that is Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen getting a well-deserved week off here to end the year. They'll be back in the new year as well, but you and I, you and I can't get enough of each other. I say lovingly and sarcastically, we're here to end the year out. We were not going to miss out on ending the year out. And that's why we're here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Let's begin with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and Christmas weekend this past weekend, obviously dominated by the NFL in terms of ratings, in terms of relevance, in terms of the biggest deal. But the NBA also played a, is quintuple the right word, a quintuple header? Let's go with that. Even if I'm making that up, five straight games that they played on Christmas Day. Let's start with the NFL and your thoughts. I know we do not have ratings at our disposal, but there were a lot of exciting games on Christmas Eve afternoon, a Saturday for the NFL. A, a tremendous finish, if not a lot of scoring, to the Steelers-Raiders primetime game on NFL Network that led into a Christmas tripleheader. John, what are your overall thoughts on the football we saw and the televising of it from the NFL this past weekend? Well, uh, I'm, you know, I was a little surprised that the NFL is mum on the Christmas numbers or the Christmas Eve numbers. Uh, you know, the Thanksgiving numbers were out the next day because now, obviously, Fast national numbers from Nielsen include out of home viewing. So you're going to see those numbers day, you know, the day after now, typically. I don't necessarily know that it means anything that the NFL didn't put any numbers out today. But, you know, I do think if the numbers were really, really good, probably would have heard something, 
right? So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I suspect that the NFL obviously dominated Christmas, dominated the NBA, but that relative to expectations, it's kind of like the midterm elections, right? You know, the Republicans won back the House, but relative to expectations, it was a disaster. And I'm not saying it would be like that for the NFL, but, you know, maybe it's the case I would suspect based on the fact that the most watched NBA game by far was Buck Celtics with 6 million viewers, right? And when was Buck Celtics on? It was on during Broncos Rams. So that tells me that there was one window on that NFL triple header that was really soft. And it was probably that awful Broncos Rams. Oh, horrific. Never in doubt, yeah. blowout, you're right. And the Celtics-Bucks game was actually a very competitive game. Yeah. So obviously you're going to have people switching over. The Celtics-Bucks uh, game had a million more viewers than any other NBA game on Christmas Day. So that means that there were a million extra viewers during that window than there were for the primetime game with the Grizzlies and Warriors, the LeBron game in the afternoon. Now, maybe that would just have happened normally, but, you know, the Celtics are not the biggest draw in the NBA. They're not a bigger draw than the Lakers or the Warriors. So that tells me there were a lot of people who were like, you know what? What else is on? Right. Oh, there's this NBA game on. So because at the same time, if I can just uh, illuminate this, we had gotten to the Arizona Stadium prior to uh, the Buccaneers and the Arizona Cardinals being the primetime game. And that game is literally 34 to three going to the half. It's literally 44 to six. And there's no reason to watch that game, John. Okay. Just go back to stuff with your family. Go back to a rerun of a Christmas story or Christmas vacation or die hard or whatever you're yeah. watching or watch the NBA. There was no redeeming value left to that game. Yeah. Agreed. Exactly. And that that tells you everything you need to know, I think, about that number for CBS. So I don't think CBS is going to be doing any bragging. Uh, I, I suspect that that game might have had fewer than 20 million viewers, which for the holiday for the NFL is a pretty low number. You know, Packers, Dolphins, the NFL has never tried that one o'clock window on Christmas before. We really have no way of knowing what that would have done. You know, the NBA performed pretty well opposite that game, but not as well as Buck Celtics, you know, but you know, who knows, uh, but nothing from Fox on that front. And then nothing from NBC on the primetime game. Nothing at all. Uh, definitely up from last year because the primetime game was on NFL Network. But, you know, maybe the primetime game was on the lower end of what you would see for Senate football this season. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but maybe. So, you know, I mean, again, it might not mean anything that the NFL didn't put out any fast nationals today at all. But certainly the NBA did. The NBA put out fast nationals as soon as they could from this morning. And the NFL, nothing. So I will be you know, very we'll see, curious see tomorrow. Sure. I'll mean interrupt. I'll be very curious to know what that Cowboy Eagles game did leading yeah. into Christmas Eve in the Eastern and Central time zones. Like you theorized where people are trying to go to a church service, where people are trying to go to dinner, being around with their family. How well did a very competitive Dallas Philadelphia game do? And then obviously, as I mentioned, it was not a great scoring night, a lot of defense in the frigid cold of, uh, of Pittsburgh but a dramatic finish with the Steelers winning in the final minute. I mean, John, we didn't even get a chance to talk about this. The untimely, unfortunate passing of Franco yeah. Harris happened after we released our podcast last week. So they had intended to obviously honor him, not just his family, and retire his jersey on the 50th anniversary of the iconic, immaculate reception play, which was the Raiders at the Steelers 50 years ago last Friday, December 23rd, 1972, 
And then Franco passed away. So it cast a pall over the whole thing. They're in mourning in Pittsburgh. Uh, I thought it was a really great job by all the networks building up to it. ESPN had a phenomenal piece on the relationship of Franco Harris and Phil Villapiano, the the safety of the of the uh, then Oakland Raiders, and how their 50-year friendship grew out of that play where the Steelers won heroically, and how Villapiano and Franco Harris would stay in touch all year long, but in particular in and around December 23rd and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that again, and, and and they were so looking forward to seeing and being around each other for this game and being around each other in uh in Pittsburgh. And then Franco unexpectedly passed away, and Villapiano followed through and was at the makeshift shrine. John, I don't know if you saw this. ESPN showed it on their feature. He was at the makeshift shrine on Friday afternoon prior to the Saturday night game with Franco's son Doc. What an emotional thing to be there with him, hugging on him encouraging him and uh so you had all that as the backdrop you had a great finish i just wonder we're speculating i know you said to me a week ago that on monday night football on christmas eve the audience was somewhere around eight or eight and a half million the last time we had it on i just wonder if that nfl network game got to that we don't know the answer i wonder if it got to seven eight nine million on saturday night my speculation is it might have just because the dramatic finish and the Franco backdrop and all the attention for the game. A thought from you on that real quick? I mean, it's hard to say, you know, because, I mean, it was Christmas Eve and it was a Saturday night. Saturday night is still the least watched night of the week, even in the out-of-home era. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's just tough to tell. Like, I mean, the Franco Harris story, I mean, Franco was always going to be the story for this week. It was really about him to begin with. Uh, You know, would that have made more people tune in? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I... uh, maybe, you know, uh, when tragedies happen, people do tend to tune in for the tributes, like with Kobe Bryant, that was mm-hmm. the most watched uh, the regular season game in the NBA and ESPN in, in many years. So, you know, it might have had an impact in that way. Um, but, you know, I would not have high expectations. Christmas Eve plus Saturday night plus two bad teams. You know, it's tough to it'd be tough to expect a particularly strong number there. Yet Pittsburgh won the game, and they're on the fringe, outside looking in, but still alive for the AFC playoffs by the win. And and whatever with the football gods, cosmic coincidence, divine intervention, the Steeler fans believe it's still immaculate, uh, that 50 years later, they beat the Raiders in the final minute on a touchdown pass, 13 to 10 in this game, after beating them 13 to 7 in the game 50 years ago on the Franco Harris play. That's crazy that it happened 50 years later and it's 13 to 10 this time uh, for that win. I'll be curious as well on whether or not Packers Dolphins did well at one o'clock just because of the Aaron Rodgers factor and Miami is good and in the playoff hunt. And then you had the Tom Brady factor, even though it was a bad game. I get it. It was a low scoring bad game for a lot of it, but it ended in overtime. I'll just be curious to see those numbers. I know you got some more thoughts. Yeah, well, I just wanted to quickly uh, note the last time Christmas Eve fell on a Saturday night, NFL Network had the Saturday night game that year. It was Cincinnati and Houston, and it was 6.3 million. So that's relatively low for NFL Network. Uh, And uh, I mean, granted, it's actually higher than what they got on the Saturday night the following year, which was December 23rd. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of the range that I would expect, but we'll see. As far as, you know, Rodgers and Brady, they're two big stars. People love to hate them. They love to hate LeBron James. They love to hate Serena Williams. They still tune in. These are the biggest stars. 
Uh, and uh, I think uh, they could certainly, you know, the only reason to tune in to the Bucks Cardinals is Tom Brady. I mean, there's no other reason. To Absolutely. So, you know, uh, same thing with Packers Dolphins. I mean, all due respect to Tua, you know, the Dolphins have a little bit more star power and they're a pretty good team. But, you know, those are the people that folks tune in to watch. And we'll see, you know, with LeBron, it's I do suspect that the Lakers have finally gotten to a point where they're so bad, people might not tune in for them the same way. I mean, I haven't seen the numbers bear that out quite yet, but it is worth noting. There were five games on Christmas. Three were up double digits. Two were down double digits and hit multi-year lows. The two that were down double digits were one involving the Lakers, one involving the Golden State Warriors. The two biggest draws in the league who have underachieved all season and are both shorthanded. So there's a limit to what people will tune in for, even with the stars. Brady, because the Bucks are in that horrible division, they're still in the playoff chase. Their games still matter. Uh, Rodgers, I mean, the Packers are right back. I think, what are they, 500, maybe 7 they're eight. On the They're on the fringe, right. They need yeah. help, but that, that win helped them. So there was a bit of a storyline there as well, and he's a brand name. We know that. People will tune in. There's... So, I mean, it's a very different thing for those two teams because they're they're in contention. They can make the playoffs still. They're still relevant. And, you know, if the Bucks hold on and win their division, they have a home playoff game. Who's to say Correct. they can't make it to the divisional round? Now you're singing my song. Because I got Christmas to pay for, orthodontics for twin teenagers, uh, college funds. Let's get some playoff checks going. I like how you're thinking, John Lewis. I like where you are at the end of 2022 here on this. Uh, that's a good thing. I'm just curious for you. I'm not going to put this in love it or leave it. But we did mention that ESPN and ABC ran all five games uh, right in a row, back to back to back to back to back, if I got all five in there. And for a network to do that, where they basically put things on NBA autopilot for a 12-hour block, yeah. literally. Uh, do, how much of that did you dip in and out of? I, I have to confess, I only saw a little bit of the NBA because I was watching some of the NFL, and then we were having to go. We were traveling to the stadium, going to the stadium, getting food, doing radio duties. So, And, and obviously for the evening games, I did not see the NBA. But did you find yourself dipping in and out, and do you think that will maybe have helped with ABC overall in the, in the analysis of the uh, of the numbers, that if you turned it on at noon, it was on at two Eastern, it was on at six Eastern, it was on at ten Eastern, it was just on all day. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think no need to no need to you know channel surf. That's always helpful. Uh, I think uh, that ten thirty game was the least watched of the day, of course, but it did a lot better. It was up sixty four percent. Uh, year over year. Last year was a Mavericks jazz game. They didn't even have Luka Doncic. That's another thing to keep in mind. You know, uh, the NBA last year, really ridiculously shorthanded games. Uh, you know, a lot of stars are missing because of the COVID stuff. So, you know, there's certainly a little bit of a caveat there, but um, 64%. And I, I do think that, uh, you know, that was the game I watched the most of because it was after everything was over and it was something else to tune into. Uh, you know, um, I, I think Having all five games on ABC was a big hit. Uh, I think anytime you can average 4.2 million viewers, uh, 4.3 million over the course of 12 hours. I mean, even if it takes two networks to get there, that's an amazing thing to be able to do opposite the NFL. There's not a lot of other sports. And again, Christmas, out of home, two networks. But there's not a lot of other sports that with regular season action can maintain 4 million viewers over 12 hours opposite three NFL windows. This is not. And, you know, the NBA has taken a lot of hits over the past few years with their ratings. The ratings have been down. I mean, there's no doubt about that. 
There's no there's, there's no aspect of the NBA rating story that isn't a less successful story than it was four or five years ago. But, you know, there's a lot of people taking cheap shots at the NBA's ratings because they don't like the Black Lives Matter on the court in 20 or the activism or they don't like LeBron or whatever. You know, the fact is the NBA showed its strength as a TV property on Christmas. 4.3 million viewers over the course of 12 hours opposite three NFL games. You know, I, I don't even know that baseball can do that in the playoffs unless it's the World Series. So, I think it was a good night for the NBA. Next year will be much more complicated. They can't run all five games on ESPN and ABC next year because there'll be Monday night football. Christmas is on a Monday, only the second time, by the way, since the since the current arrangement began. Uh, so 2006 and 2017. So what I think you're going to see next year on Christmas, Fox will have a game. Fox is contractually mandated to have a Christmas Day game whenever it's possible. So Fox will have a game, probably one o'clock again. NBC, I think, will have the midday game. I say this because NBC has not aired a Sunday night game on Christmas Eve. They've had two chances. Neither time did they do it. In 2006, they aired a Christmas Day game at 4 or 5 o'clock. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys did really, really well. It was a big T.O. game and everything. Mm-hmm. 2017, they did a Saturday night, Sunday night football game. And they had a Christmas afternoon game as part of their Thursday night package. So uh, they 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 had the Saturday night game for SNF, and then on on Christmas Day they had. Uh, let me let me make sure I'm right about that. By the way, yeah, they had a simulcast with NFL Network on the uh, on Christmas Day afternoon. Obviously, they don't have the Thursday night package anymore. So I think they'll just do the Christmas Day afternoon game as part of the Sunday night package this year. Interesting. So, so yeah. they won't do it as a Sunday night, Christmas no. Eve. And, and you're making it seem as though it's NBC's option in that case on when they want to do it. And we, I, we, you may have more info. I'm just speculating here. It's obviously written in the agreement that it's their choice. They can do it one or the other, and they're choosing to do it. You would think on a Monday afternoon leading into Monday night football on Christmas Day versus Christmas Eve, Sunday night, the night before is what your point is, what your thought is. Well, I think the NFL calls the shots. I mean, I think if the NFL said you have to air a game on inauguration day while the president is giving his speech, they would have to do it, right? So uh, I think the NFL is deciding we don't want and I'm sure NBC has Yeah, but I mean, but the NFL ran a Christmas Eve game on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh why would they not run a Christmas Eve game on a Sunday night? They had they have twice before as you mentioned on that list. I I don't I, I don't know. Maybe they just Well, because it's Sunday? They just did it. They just did it. I think the reasoning is that NFL network games are a little bit more expendable and they don't have to concern themselves with the ratings as much, but right. with a Sunday night package, they want to maximize those numbers whenever they can. So I do think you'll see. Do Boston we really Post. think a Monday afternoon Christmas day game would get better numbers than a Sunday night Christmas Eve game? I don't know. That's great. That's a great, Back and forth 100%. question for 2023. You believe you, you're so 100%. confident. I can see the look on your face. The audience can't see it. You uh, did not hesitate to look at me and go, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's, that's not quite what I'm saying. But, you know, I, I do think that Christmas Day, the ratings points that are available all day compared to Sunday night, Christmas Eve, people are going out right. for Midnight Mass like we talked about. You know, there's a reason why they didn't do that. Uh, like five years ago in 2017, they, they had NBC to a Saturday night game on December 23rd instead of Christmas Eve night, you know? And Interesting. So to, to me, I think it's either going to be that Saturday night, and I don't think it will be because that was not a good draw. 
or it and and with the Saturday night game, you don't get a flex. I mean, you don't get a flex either way, but you know, better to have if you're stuck with a stinker. Even Broncos Rams, I mean, I I don't know what that number will look like, but it'll be it'll be a much higher number than if that game was. I would I would be shocked if the number's not at least fifteen million because right. the NFL yeah. standardly on network TV is going to get that even with a blowout game. So, uh, the gamblers, the fantasy footballers. Yeah. All of that, though, the one game we haven't mentioned, and we're going to move on to the college football playoff. And then I didn't mention this earlier. We're going to do some love it or leave it around John's end of the year awards, who he's loving it with. Stand by for that on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. But the one more game is the Monday night Chargers Colts game. What did we deserve oh, yeah. in this <laughs> 2022 year to have the Colts in prime time yet again? Just kind of like the Denver Broncos over and over again. Is this just yeah. abuse at this point to keep showing them? I can't believe that number was very good. Joe Buck was no. making fun of the game in the second quarter, singing uh, like the uh, 12 days of Christmas, except talking about all the interceptions, all the yeah. punts and all the other things yeah. and singing. And Troy Aikman kind of chuckled like you just got away with slamming the game we're doing yeah. um, because it's Chargers Colts. I can't believe that one did very well on the night no. after Christmas. No, it almost certainly didn't. Uh, probably close to a season low, but we'll see, you know, uh, uh, no expectations for that game at all. But I do want to go back to the thought before, because I was mentioning next mm-hmm. year's Christmas schedule, because uh, I was mentioning it in relation to the NBA. So uh, Fox will have the one o'clock game. I think NBC will have the 430 game. And then ESPN and ABC will have Monday night football on Christmas night. So there's no doubt about that, that ESPN at least will have it. So the question is, does the NFL use Christmas night as one of their ABC ESPN simulcasts next year? If they do, then the NBA cannot have a primetime game on ESPN and ABC. That brings in probably TNT. The last time and the only other time in the five-game era, so the NBA started doing five games on Christmas in 2008, the only other time that Christmas fell on a Monday during that period uh, was 2017. ESPN had a noon game in the NBA. ABC had three, 5.30, and 8. And then TNT had a 10.30 game. I suspect what will happen, and and that was back when Monday night was just on ESPN, no ABC simulcast. I expect what will happen is that ESPN and ABC will simulcast the first three NBA games leading into Monday Night Football on both networks, which means the NBA will have to be on TNT for for a doubleheader that probably will not do very well because it's, you know, one network opposite the NFL on two networks. So I do think this year it all worked out really well for the NBA from a ratings perspective. They were able to get ESPN and ABC all the way through next year will be a little bit tougher. I think sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, good enough on that. So let's move on to the college football playoff, and the two semifinals will be the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. Fiesta Bowl has Michigan TCU. Michigan is the Big Ten champs. TCU is the Big 12 champs. It is Georgia as the SEC champs against the at-large Ohio State Buckeyes in the Peach Bowl in the nightcap. Those will be on on Saturday. We're going to get into those now. I should make mention, we were in the desert of Arizona. 
The game will be played in the same stadium, State Farm Stadium, where we played on uh, Sunday night with Buccaneers Cardinals. So I was right down on that field. And now uh, six days later, it's Michigan TCU. When we drove by in Scottsdale out on Saturday night, the Michigan 18-wheeler and a lot of the Michigan setup was already there in Scottsdale getting ready for the Michigan football team to be there and for the whole week of them being there and TCU being there, Texas Christian University uh, for the Fiesta Bowl and obviously Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the Atlanta area, not far from Athens, an hour away for Georgia. Ohio State will also descend on the weekend uh, in and around uh, that Peach Bowl as well. So I'm curious, John, what your thought is on how these numbers will do. We've seen previous occasions where the semifinal games have fallen on uh, New Year's Eve as they are. Now, in this case, New Year's Eve is a Saturday, not a work day, not a typical weekday. So, John, uh, give us some historical perspective and what you think might happen with these matchups coming up. Well, you know, it's going to be tough to tough to gauge. I mean, these are not the most attractive semifinals i know ohio state is there but you know i th- i mean what what are the odds Do you know the odds off the top of your head for in both this? cases it is michigan favored by a touchdown and georgia favored by a touchdown just the, a touchdown uh, for correct georgia? that's yes. amazing i mean correct. if they could get i mean a com- all that matters is good games and college football gives us good games every single weekend except of course in the playoff when they give us stinkers year after year right <laughs> and uh you know, that's really all that matters. Um, last year, you go back to last year, the two least watched uh, semifinals of the playoff era. I think maybe maybe not the two least watched. It might have been one lower, but certainly on the lower end of what we've seen for the semifinals last year. And, uh, you know, it was Alabama. And correct since- me if I'm wrong. Those were Friday semifinals, correct? Yeah, or Friday. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, were they New Year's Day, but they were also on Saturday. Am I right? Um, I think so. I think they were New Year's Day Saturday in that case. Last year? Yeah. Help me with the dates. No, last year the- was New Year's Eve. Last year was New Year's Eve. And it was uh, last year was New Year's Eve and a Friday. So these were last year's semifinals, the second and fourth least watched semifinals mm. uh, and, and that was alabama cincinnati and then yeah. georgia obviously throttling michigan in the nightcap yeah, yeah. and uh, there would be no undercount involved because by december 31st of last year nielsen got its act together so those are the real numbers uh and uh you know look i mean alabama cincinnati who even remembers that game georgia michigan who even remembers that game the semifinals all too often are very forgettable very uninteresting and, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have much of an expectation Now, the way TCU played in the Big 12 title game. That was really exciting. Uh, and it's not like they were playing, you know, nobody's Kansas State had a great season this year. Top 10 team. If you get a really competitive, high quality game between Michigan and TCU, one, that'd be rare. We just don't get that. I mean, one, the last I... really good playoff game, I think, was uh, uh, LSU Clemson, right? Now, LSU, I think, routed them. I think LSU routed them. If you're talking about the Joe Burrow year, they beat them badly, I think. You're you're thinking, hold on, you're thinking maybe the LSU um, uh, championship game with Clemson. Yes. Was was that not the championship game? You're right. LSU, off the top of my head, LSU routed whoever they played in the semifinal, I think. Right. They beat up Oklahoma. I was thinking about Clemson, Ohio State. Yes, because that was the controversial close game with Clemson and Ohio State, and I believe that was the Fiesta Bowl as well. You know what's amazing? Because I I actually have in my little Excel spreadsheet, I create all these very fancy, nice-looking Excel spreadsheets that I only only I look at, and I have the margin of victory in them. 
in all the history of the semifinals, there's mm-hmm. only been two or three games decided by single digits. So Ohio State, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in 15, and then uh, the double overtime Georgia, Oklahoma Rose Bowl in 18, and then Clemson, Ohio State in 19. That's it. And so that's you know, amazing. And, yeah. So all of them have been double digits except those three. Yeah. On the margin 21, of 21 and 23 last year, 17 and 21 the year before, wow. 35 LSU over, over Oklahoma, Clemson and Alabama winning by 27 and 11 respectively the previous year, Alabama by 18, Alabama by 17, Clemson by 31, Clemson by 20, Alabama by 38, and of course, Oregon by 39 over FSU in that humiliating Rose Bowl. So uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, I mean, it's not been good TV, that's for sure. So if they get good games, that's really all that will matter, even more so than the teams involved. One more speculative thing. Uh, what if, what if, shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't happen. USC didn't beat Utah in the Pac-12 title game. But if USC had won, we know they would have been in the playoff. And we know now that Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy. So you would have had a USC-Michigan like de facto Rose Bowl yeah. not in the Rose Bowl because they would have made USC as the number three team and put them in the Ro- in the uh, Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. If that had been – so now the that would have reversed things because Georgia would have played TCU in that instance, and Georgia-TCU would have gone first, probably in the Peach Bowl, and USC and Michigan would have gone in prime time, Saturday night, New Year's Eve night, how much of a difference could that have made in my hypothetical in that scenario for audience? Would it have made that much? What's your thought? I think Michigan USC is a great matchup. We know that that nearly beat the national title game back in 04, back when USC was left out of the top two, even though they should have been in there. So, you know, that's a great matchup of just marquee, you know, programs. And it's also, not solely in the South and Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. get a little bit of the West Coast in there. Uh, that would have been great, you know, if it had been a good game. That's really what matters more than anything. It's got to be a good game. You had Alabama and Notre Dame in a semifinal two years ago, uh, and it, it didn't do that well for a Rose Bowl. Sure. Uh, because it was a blowout. So that's that's really the only thing that matters is the quality of the game. You get two really good games. You get Tulane versus, you know, uh, Illinois State. And if you know if it's a good game, right? I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I understand the point. Well, that's the you, only and, thing that and USC brings in a different hate factor, love hate factor with San Francisco, yeah. Denver, Phoenix, Seattle. The Pac-12 markets care more about that. Sorry, they don't care about TCU in Michigan, they Seattle. Don't. I don't think so. San Francisco, Denver, Phoenix, LA. I will say this for I TCU. Don't, I don't think so. TCU is the closest thing to a Cinderella that's been in the playoff other than Cincinnati last year, because Cincinnati was actually from a a group of five conference. But, you know, TCU is not only a non-traditional team, even though they're in the Big Ten or Big 12. They are a team that has had that underdog aspect before. They were like Coastal Carolina a few years ago, you know? I mean, they they were, when, when they first really came on, and, you know, this is college sports, in the in basketball, you don't typically want the underdog to make the actual final, right? You like right. them the first few rounds, and then you want your blue bloods at the end. But I do think if you, if TCU were to beat Michigan and advance to the final, and they were to be really close, it was exciting like that Big 12 championship game was, I mean, you could see strong numbers for that. I mean, I know TCU is not a particularly high-profile program, but 
the underdog factor. As a reference, they did have an unbeaten season and beat uh, Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, very famously not in the BCS Final Two. They were left out of that, but they got to the Rose Bowl as an unbeaten team, got in it, and won it. So this could kind of be a similar upset-minded uh, situation for them. I mean, again, ESPN, the college football playoff people, the advertisers, they're not going to put out a press release. They're not going to announce this with a megaphone. They don't want TCU in the championship game versus Michigan. They want Michigan in the championship game, if it can happen. Now, if it works out the TCU's there, so be it. And it is the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Uh, but the, the Michigan hate factor, again, in the upper Midwest – Right. Will help drive that Michigan a national brand. Let's see. I mean, let's see. What you happens. never know. We could get Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, that is still possible. Sure, it's just at Georgia. You know, those SEC. And like teams. you said, you hope that it's Ohio State, Michigan, and not Ohio State TCU. Because if it's Ohio State TCU, <laughs> that's an even bigger nightmare, right? For the uh, well, for the college football playoff and for ESPN. But I, I well, I actually, I think. Said- I, I said on the record in an, in an interview with Bill Shea that I thought that if you got Ohio State TCU, it might be better to have that even than Georgia, Michigan. Really? Okay. Well, I, you know, a lot of people disagree with me, but my perspective. Your reason for that is? Well, you get Georgia, you get these SEC teams in there. They just beat up everybody. The games aren't good. It's a huge route. So my perspective is, one, if Ohio State beats Georgia, that means they must be really, really good. And two, I I think the potential for a competitive game is higher if the SEC is not in there. The SEC teams just run everybody over. Mm-hmm. And so my thought is, if it's Ohio State TCU, maybe you get a really good game. Maybe it's down to the wire. Ohio State Michigan is what you want. But my thought is, if Georgia's there, they're probably going to route whoever they play. If I think Ohio Michigan, State- I'm no Michigan guy, and I live in the South. I think Michigan can hang with them. I don't think TCU can hang with Georgia. But it presupposes that they've got to beat Ohio State in the first place, which is your point. Right. And we'll see. Well, Well, I mean, look, if 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 it's I'm biased by the fact that Michigan, Georgia happened last year and Georgia won by 23 and it was Mm -hmm. unwatchable and it didn't do that well in the ratings. That is the principal thing. I don't think Georgia's as good defensively as they were last year. I think Michigan is better offensively. I think you have a real chance at having a close, which is your point, championship game. That's not a runaway. Of course, I say that and Michigan Gets beat fifty six to twelve. Yeah, so I don't know. But what was uh, the uh, the score? What was the Ashley Simpson game? USC over Oklahoma, fifty five to fourteen. Right? USC fifty five. Yes. Oklahoma, where they they scored touchdowns coming off the bus, as I recall, yeah. with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and those weapons. I think you're right. And you called it the Ashley Simpson game. What was she? The halftime show? Yes, and it she was. was. So, and it she was, was uh, epically bad. I don't recall that. Was, I blocked that out of the memory yeah. banks. Jessica Simpson's sister. I know that. Is it yeah. worse than her uh, being outed with uh, lip syncing to the uh, song on Saturday Night Live that started skipping and oh, yeah. playing over and over again and she that. ran off stage on live TV? Was it worse than that at the Orange Bowl? It Good couldn't question. have been that much worse. I don't know. You know, she was a regular on Seventh Heaven at, at varying points. She's not a regular on anything anymore. It has come Aww. and gone for her. It's the truth. Yeah, Are we speaking true. the truth or not on the podcast? She's not true. a regular on anything anymore. And I think the Saturday Night Live bid had something to do with Nobody on 7th Heaven is irregular on anything anymore. (laughs) That's another fair point on that. All right, so good stuff on the playoff. One wrap-up thing, which is the NFL playing on New Year's Day, uh, and then the college football traditional New Year's games are now going to be on Monday, where they don't really have relevance, obviously, towards the college football playoff or the championship. 
This has happened before. Do you think it takes a hit again that the college football is on Monday afternoon, Monday night, where you're seeing the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl? And well, et you're not going to see the Sugar Bowl Monday night because Monday night football is going to be there Monday, Monday night, night football instead, the, right? The Sugar Bowl is going to be on the 30th of December or the 31st at noon, right? So they really got hosed. And this is another way that the NFL is, you know, throwing its weight around because week 17 is no longer the final week of the season. You get a Monday night game there. In previous years, when week 17 would take place on New Year's Day, all the games were done New Year's Day. So the Monday ESPN would have the ability to run the, the Sugar Bowl as normal. That's different now. So obviously the Rose Bowl will lead into Monday Night Football, which is great for the NFL. The NFL gets to uh, kind of rob college football of their day and then rob college football of their alternate day and benefit from that Rose Bowl lead in which is better than anything Monday Night Football. So let's get. keep it Let's keep it straight that it actually will be a Friday night Orange Bowl. Hello on the 30th, Tennessee and Clemson, the orange versus orange, two different shades in the Orange Bowl. Then as you mentioned, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. local time, they're showing the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State prior to the two yeah. semifinal games um, that will be coming for um, that Saturday. And then on Monday, they will have the ReliaQuest Bowl that I'll be working on local radio before we're back again in the new year, Mississippi State and Illinois. I'll be calling the play-by-play of that on local radio for that matchup. Also, the Cotton Bowl, Tulane, USC will play at 1 Eastern, 12 local time. The uh, what What is the Citrus Bowl? The former incarnations of the Citrus Bowl is also playing that afternoon. Um the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, thank you, uh, at 1 Eastern time. And then it's a standalone for Penn State and Utah in the Rose Bowl. And you're right, that leads into the Monday night football game. And I'm trying to get it as quickly as I can. What is the Monday night game uh, for Bengals next week? That, that's a that's a massive yes, one. What, what do you think those two numbers will be for Penn State, Utah, followed by Bengals-Bills? They finally get a great Monday night football game. What do you think there? Probably around 15, 16 million, maybe even 17 million for Penn State, Utah. I go a little bit higher because of that NFL lead out. And then the most watched Monday night game of the season, probably I would expect something around uh, what was the first one in week one? Week one was at 19. Denver, Denver, Seattle. Russell Wilson's return was week one, was it not? On Monday night football? Million. So I think this will be 22, 23 million because of the. Are New you Year's saying factor. that Joe Buck is not going to sing the 12 days of Christmas again, making fun of the game for uh, Bills and uh, Bengals? Not likely, right? Not likely. On no, no. I think Joe will play it straight. Okay, uh, let's get to it. We've got something uh, to cover here at the end. Love it or leave it. So John has his awards here for the very end. So these will all be love it's. Give me some love it's. Give me the sports media story of the year. Do you have one of those? Well, I mean, obviously, I'll steal from everybody else and just say all the uh, announcer movement. Uh, you mentioned Joe Buck. We were just talking about him. Joe Buck works for ESPN. I don't think anybody would have thought Joe Buck and Troy Aikman would work for ESPN when the year started. Uh, Al Michaels to Thursday night had been in the works for a while. That's not a huge surprise, but working with Kirk Herbstreet kind of is. And, of course, all the other offshoots of Bucks move, like Joe Davis becoming the voice of the World Series on Fox and Kevin Burkhart getting the lead role for the NFL. I mean, there's a lot just in that. So a uh, tremendous hot stove this year in, in the NFL and something we're probably not going to see again for a while. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting movement uh, and a lot of money being thrown around as well. Um, all right, next one. Here we go. Love it or leave it. 
how do you want to phrase it? The sports media person of the year? Is that what you want to use here on Love It? Who are you loving for 2022, John Lewis? Well, let's not say person of the year, because I mean, I guess that'd probably be Pat McAfee. Um, okay. And I will say, you know, I, one of the things with McAfee, he's destined to be, I don't want to say hated, but he's so ubiquitous that it's, it's inevitable that it's going to turn the, the, the reaction to him is going to turn negative because he's everywhere. He's all over the place. And he has to be in a shoehorning him in that whole, the outfit he was wearing at the, at the Las Vegas bowl. It's just inevitable that people are going to turn on him probably very soon, but certainly he would be the person of the year in terms of everything that, you know, his bursting onto the scene. My person of the year thing is not quite the person of the year, but just some people I took notice of. I'm actually going to start really, really small, like so small that a lot of people probably won't even know who I'm talking about. But I'm going to say a Marvin from the Dan Patrick show. Right. I'm going to start there. So the Dan Patrick show uh, is something I've been watching a lot of this year. And uh, Andrew Perloff, a.k.a. McLovin, left to go do his own CBS show. And so, you know, this is a show that relies as much on chemistry as inside the NBA as Fox NFL Sunday. So you take out a regular like McLovin and you bring in someone entirely new who's never done it before and it works and he fits in like a glove. He has that perfect sensibility for that show where the Danettes are all nerdy to an extent. Like they're they're not big jocks. They're not, you know, roaring tough guys or anything. They're not particularly cool. They're kind of nerdy dads, and he fits in quite well with them. And the show not only didn't miss a beat without McLovin, I think it got better Interesting. without McLovin, which McLovin was good, but it got better without Perloff. It's better now with uh, with uh, Marvin. So I wanted to take note of Marvin from the and, Dan Patrick. And I have to say, I don't see the Dan Patrick show uh, any longer because I don't have it on Peacock, et cetera. I've, I hear it occasionally, but you're right. I mean, he's going on like 16 or 17 years now with that show with Paulie, Paul Pabst, and uh, Seton, and, and Fritzy, and those guys. So they are as much the Danettes a, a part of that, a part of that chemistry. So you're right. That's good stuff. Uh, on that, it's just it's amazing to contemplate that Dan Patrick's been doing that show now. Yes, in in that form, away from ESPN, almost for longer than he was at ESPN. Yeah, start contemplating that. Indeed. Wow. Indeed. So you know, I wanted to make make mention of uh, of, of Marvin, and uh, also how about Joe Davis? We all know. I mean, everybody knows Joe Davis had a great year, uh, banner year for Joe Davis, but certainly making a name for himself uh, and uh, voice of the World Series. And getting some really great NFL games this year mm-hmm. as well. So Joe Davis is another one. Uh, and uh, that's actually it. I should probably have come up with more. But those were just the two that came up, that, that came to mind. Joe Davis and Marvin from the Dan Patrick Show. All right, we've got another one. Love it or leave it. You also wanted to do newcomer. Do you have a newcomer? Marvin would have cared, would have qualified. Do you have another newcomer that stood out on your sports media awards to end 2022? Uh, let me think about it, because that's actually who I meant was Marvin on the newcomer side. Let me. OK, let me... well, Joe Davis would have qualified right. yeah, that, uh, that, for the that, bigger that assignment well. with the NFL, uh, although he's now been in that role. He he had been doing the NFL before. They just elevated right. him right. Um, on that one. Herb Why don't Street, we do this? Herb but... Street doing the NFL. 
Are you but, thumbs up on Herb Street's uh, Thursday night work on the Amazon Prime? Would you give that a thumbs up or a lukewarm? I think Kirk has been completely competent on Thursday night football, which is all you can ask of someone doing something they've never done before is competence. Uh, do I think he's been good? I think he's been good. It's just it's a it's kind of a thankless role. You're getting bad games every week. Al Michaels clearly doesn't like the schedule. And uh, Kirk is doing as well as he could possibly do. I I wouldn't have thought to like praise him in like a year ending setting, you know, because ultimately I don't think that Thursday night football job allows for the level of work necessary that you can't. It's like being great on the Lakers. You can't do it. You can't be great on the Lakers. And I, I don't feel like, you know, He's done as good a job as he could possibly do with the limitations that that schedule creates. I'll give you one. See if you don't agree with me, because we talked sure. about this earlier. Uh, once ESPN reclaimed the National Hockey League, I had not ever heard Bob Wachusen yeah. of ESPN on hockey. And you and I discussed this back in April, May, when he began doing NHL playoff games with Brian Boucher. You used the word it was a revelation listening to him do hockey. I'll I'll steal your word now and bring it back. I thought he was tremendous. It turns out he had done local radio hockey in New York, doing the New, New York Rangers, even doing a little local TV. And, and Bob is very talented. They had him on the Announcer Schedules podcast uh, earlier this year. Great interview to go back in the archive. Search that through the archive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, announcer schedule right here on this podcast feed. Talking to Bob, who's versatile as the radio voice of the New York Jets, college football and college basketball for ESPN TV. But I'll go newcomer of the year was Shusen doing hockey with Brian Boucher. They were a tremendous watch and listen together, I thought, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. John, you want to piggyback on my newcomer of the year thought on that, even though it's mine? Well, yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're coming in to do a very territorial sport like hockey or soccer and you can do a competent job when you're known for, you know, the other stick and ball sports, the more popular one, uh, the more popular ones, I think that's always an impressive feat. Bobashusen was quite good. I, I mean, I'll be real. I, I didn't get a whole lot of sampling of Bobashusen, but watching him on that uh, Stars Calgary Game 7 on ESPN2 back in May, he was very, very strong. So I think certainly, you know, ESPN, I don't think hockey fans were totally in love with that first year of coverage. A lot of complaints about Leah Hextall, of course, some of mm -hmm. that is sexism, but some of it probably legitimate as well. Uh, you know, I, I know they weren't huge. It didn't seem like they were huge on the McDonough and Ray Ferraro main team. Uh, but uh, I thought Papa Schusen was certainly one of the, you know, shining stars, I would say, of that group. All right. One more before we get out of here. Love it or leave it. Uh, New Year's resolutions. Are you a love it guy or do you leave it on the resolutions? A lot of yeah. people go through these on being different in 2023 for whatever it is, uh, trying to be a better person, trying to lose yeah. weight, trying to be more uh, friendly, trying to be more organized, uh, maybe that you want to travel more, yeah. take more time off. Love it or leave it. Any New Year's resolutions? Do you leave it? Uh, I mean, I've never even tried New Year's resolutions before, but certainly I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to be able to do a few and stick to them. Uh, all the usual ones. Give me one. 
Give me one. Uh, not using Twitter ever again would be great. <laughs> ever, wait, ever again or yeah. less? I thought you were going to no. say less and no, you said ever, ever again. again. Ever again. You know, I joined Twitter uh, when I was 20 years old. And, uh, you know, uh, it was something that I needed to do for the site. And uh, I built up a pretty decent following, uh, 25,000. And mm-hmm. certainly it's helped uh, it, it's gotten every guest I've gotten for my classes or for this podcast I've gotten through Twitter. But, you know, I, I do think on balance, uh, it's a terrible, terrible place. Twitter is basically every horrible message board of the early 2000s, only you're always there and everyone else is there. And the number of people I respected who have seen com- turn into complete clowns on Twitter is higher than I'd like to admit and mm-hmm. of course i i have certainly beclowned myself on twitter on any number of occasions as well so you know i, I just ugh, it's uh i'm not one of these people who is like oh my gosh elon musk took over now i gotta leave I, I, my feelings on twitter are unchanged they're the same as they've ever as they've ever been uh and uh, i don't know uh, that would be great if let I could- me let me add this i, I don't choose i guess the best uh, metaphor to roll around in the mud with the pigs on all the political stuff and all the name calling i use it more for information right. and for finding out things and sometimes there's entertainment humor video there are good parts of it can can i say this in, in terms of loving it uh, there is a there is a bit of thanks for Elon Musk spending the forty four billion because at least the veil is back now there. I mean, there's been tremendous reporting now on this, but Elon Musk allowed it to happen and they kept the records and kept the receipts of of just how slanted and just how obvious with the government even involved in squelching things on social media that this is. And hopefully for twenty twenty three and beyond, I'm not naive. I mean, there are still other massive big tech entities that are within the game, within the rigged game that don't want to change. But at least this social media app demonstrated that it's not just crazy kook conspiracy theories. All this stuff about shadow banning and squelching people that dissented was actually going on. So I think in some ways, Twitter has become a better place uh, now that we can know that and the reporting on it that we can know that. I thought it was interesting. Let's bring it back to sports, John Lewis, that for the World Cup, they had the most impressions and the most massive attention um, on anything they've ever done for the World Cup worldwide, all languages, on Twitter. So that's interesting for those that thought it was going to be the disintegration of the app at the end of 2022. It actually did well uh, by uh, by their own numbers and by their own analytics. It was massive. For the two weeks yeah. of the two and a half weeks of the World Cup. I mean, there was a lot of ridiculous hyperventilation about how Twitter was going to die out. Twitter's not going to last through the week and all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Look, the reality is, you know, uh, there's just nothing I can say about Twitter that would be positive. I, I think it's one of the worst things that ever happened to media uh, in, in the history of media. I, I think it was always bad. My feelings about Twitter are exactly the same as they were in 2010. Uh, and uh, they're the same as they're going to be. So that would be one great New Year's resolution. Then all the other ones, it'd be great to, you know, certainly after the holidays and, you know, uh, how many tur- generations of turkeys and pigs <laughs> that are eaten, you know. Um, you know, certainly that. 
Uh, and uh, I don't know what else. I mean, I will. Is there say, a place now? I travel a bunch. Yeah. Is there a place you would like to go that you've never been that you're setting yes. as a goal at some point? And now you got me curious. Right. Are you going to share with us what is that place? You know, so as you know, I went to Boston mm -hmm. uh, for my job uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, last year. And look, uh, I have not traveled since then. I have not traveled since uh, since I went to Boston for my job. So I I would love to travel again. The only issue is I read that story about uh, those folks getting seriously injured in turbulence the other day. Mm. So I, you know the plane crashing thing is scary, but it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I'm not interested in the turbulence and uh, hitting hitting the head. And I'm thinking uh, there's so many great lines in the 30 year old movie now. The 30th anniversary was just this month, December of uh, 1992, of A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, everybody involved in that courtroom drama around the U.S. military. It's a phenomenal classic movie. Rob Reiner's the director. The line, the exchange with Cruz and Kevin Pollack as Caffey and Weinberg, where he says, you got Dramamine for the flight? He says, I'm afraid of the flight crashing into a mountain. I don't think Dramamine's going to help with that. That's John Lewis in some in some parts here well, on this, on maybe. getting on the plane, maybe. Well, you know, look, I mean, I didn't mind the flight. The two flights I took were both very smooth. Right? I, I just don't want to deal with any turbulence. Okay, so, so take the train, take an automobile. No, where do you want to go? Train. Where do you want to go? I mean, I'd like to go to Las Vegas. Uh, that'd be nice. Las Vegas. I'd like to Would go to Miami. Yes. Um, Miami. Uh, I'd like to go to New York. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that'd be nice. Uh, New York City again. Uh, you know, you know what's sneaky fun to go to? Uh, maybe I'm biased in the South right. is Nashville. Nashville. Oh, yes, it is. It is. It is now much more uh, trendy, let's say, to be in Nashville, not just country music, but tech and upscale and different stuff. It's sneaky. It's sneaky because you think like Chicago, L.A., Las Vegas, New York, blah, blah, blah. I'm just throwing another suggestion your way. You know what? I, I would like to go to the Kentucky Derby. Maybe I should reach out. Yes. To see about I've that. never been. Get us in. Can you get us in? Yeah, maybe. Get you us know, in. I'll, I'll ask NBC. We'll go together. See, see what I can do. Because I mean, at least I don't have to. I don't have to fly out there. You know, I, you know, figure something more reasonable out. Been to the Indianapolis but, 500. Been to the World yeah, Series. I'm not trying to brag. Definitely trying to brag. I've been to the Indy 500. I've been to the Masters. I've been to the World Series. I've, I've been to the Super Bowl. Covered a Super Bowl. Uh, with my team, uh, but I've not been to the Kentucky Derby. If we can make that happen in May, yeah, why not? I'm your guy. I'm but, your guy. I'll be your wingman. Kentucky man. Derby, Indy 500. Maybe we could do both of those. But I'm definitely. I'm gonna. Uh, there's no way I can allow that NASCAR race in Chicago to go and come without without attending. First of all, that has that has high disaster potential. <laughs> Let me not say that because I, I I'm gonna have to go through NASCAR to be able to attend this thing probably. But I mean, it's just I, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know how they're gonna do it. A, a street race in Chicago. I just. But Good I luck. mean. I, yeah, I'm, I want to go to that. I mean, that's... They know. got F1 coming to the streets of Vegas as well. I yeah. mean, at night. So yeah. they'll figure it out. They'll yep. figure oh, it out. Oh, I wanted to mention... Uh, uh, so I, you know, I did not request this, by the way, you know. Okay. Uh, because you're not supposed to take gifts from the people you cover, right? But ESPN was very kind to send me a tree topper uh, of the Larry O'Brien trophy in the NBA. And wow. it, came, it came broken. It came with the the basketball <laughs> portion of the trophy broken off of the base. So, uh, so you have mixed emotions on receiving the gift. It's yeah, a great it was, thought, was, yeah, the, and the you have no was, use for it. Yeah, yeah. The thought was nice, but it obviously is. It's literally 
junk because some would broken. some would say the perfect metaphor right now for the NBA, the best of Aww. intentions, but it's broken. Yeah. I'm just putting that out there. Well, you know, the biggest problem for the NBA is that the two teams that people like to watch the most are both under 500. And one of them is in complete free fall. You know, LeBron ruined his career, ruined the final years of his career by signing with the Lakers. And, you know, no other great player is going to go to the Lakers again after they've seen what, what, I mean, first of all, great players weren't going to the Lakers to begin with. They're coasting on the reputation that Jerry Buss built. Jerry Buss has been gone for 10 years. And since Jerry Buss died, this team has not been good at all. They obviously, Kobe was injured, could not play particularly well, but Kobe's final years in the NBA were, were a joke, 15 and 67, the final season. They get LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, you can blame LeBron all you want for the for the Westbrook trade, but, you know, LeBron doesn't run the team. He clearly doesn't run the team. They're making it really clear that LeBron doesn't have a lot of say. So, like, you know, eventually you got to turn around and look at the organization. Uh, they that The Lakers being this bad, they're going to be the Knicks for a long time. Like, the, the Lakers' future is the New York Knicks. You say that, but watch them get the game changer somewhere. The next oh. one. They always have, John. I'm older than you. Whether, well, yeah. whether it's following up Jerry West and Wilt with Magic, adding to Kareem, whether it's following that up with Shaq and Kobe, you've now had LeBron, and let's not forget they won a title in the bubble. They did. But uh, they, they always seem to get that next guy. You just don't with think Jerry there's anybody Buss. in place with Jerry West, Jerry Buss. There's nobody in place right. to get that next guy. I don't know. Jerry Buss got that next guy. Jeannie Buss got LeBron because LeBron made a terrible mistake. And I don't think other stars are going to make that terrible mistake by signing on for that mom and pop. They really are run by like a mom and pop. And they, they, they have exactly the results that a mom and pop would have if a mom and pop owned an NBA team. Like if just any random mom and pop somewhere out there owned an NBA team, the, the Lakers experience is what they would have. But that's kind of a digression but, you know, if we talk about the NBA, what's the NBA's biggest problem? The NBA's biggest problem is they have not developed that star beyond LeBron James and even Steph Curry yet. The good thing from those Christmas numbers is the most watched game by far was Milwaukee-Boston. And that's, in my view, as good uh, a number that the NBA has had in a long time. Because for the longest, it's been L.A. or LeBron and Golden State. L.A.'s done and LeBron is, is done contending. The Warriors, frankly, I don't know that they're done, but you're, they're they're not going to be there this year. They're three and sixteen on the road. If they end up in the finals, it'll be even more shocking than when, than when Boston did. So they won't be there this year, and you don't really know what the future holds. So getting, you know, those other teams starting new to blood, trust, new yeah, blood, really important to the league. All right, uh, with that, my friend, have a happy new year. We'll see what yes. happens. As all of this unfolds with the college football playoff, the second to last weekend of the NFL. Plenty to cover in 2023. Yeah. I look forward to doing it with you here. Hey, you know what podcast. we can look forward to in 2023? Mm. Political primary debates. The presidential <laughs> did, primary Did debate. you actually just go there and say look forward to? Yeah. I think you, you will did. see Trump will be in debates this year. And Trump and DeSantis will be debating. So uh that's gonna get, get very ready. interesting. If you're waiting, if you're wetting our appetite for 2023, that's gonna get interesting, but that's not anytime soon. We just Can know I we have sports. A, yeah. A quick political comment, and it'll it's one that you'll appreciate. Uh Rick Scott is the mm -hmm. Rob Palinka of politics. The senator from my state in Florida. Yes, who was in charge of the Republicans' awful, awful Senate uh run in a in 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 uh, 
in, in you know what's interesting president's first but midterm. you know what you know what's interesting and we're going to get out of here in a second uh the bigger deal is that donald trump the former president backed six different losing senatorial candidates yeah. and by design they've admitted this and they've taken the victory lap the democrats wanted to run against yeah. as many trump backed senatorial candidates as they could and the Democrats did everything they could to make sure that that was the opponent in the primaries. This is who we want to run against. Yeah. And so if we're talking about the sports metaphor, it's no different than scouting an opposing yeah. team, finding their weakness and saying, I want to throw the ball at that defensive back, yeah. or I want to isolate in the NBA that bad defensive player over and over and over again. So while we're talking uh, politics for 2023, uh, the yeah. whole, you know, the whole that was not Rick Scott. That was that was Donald Trump still trying oh, to have yeah. his influence on the Republican Party. And he took L and I'm showing it to John after L after L after L doing it that way, like a sports GM putting the wrong personnel well, remember, out on the field. He did get the USFL, you know, <laughs> thrown out or whatever it was. He ruined, ruined the USFL. Bankrupted. Yeah. Yes. And imagine where the bills would be. The country might be in a better place right now, but where would the bills be if Donald Trump had, had taken ownership? I can tell you they wouldn't be where they are right now based on. Yeah, uh, that's another fascinating one. He had a chance to maybe buy them, according to him. Uh, but in any event, uh, we'll see what happens with politics, with sports. Have, have a great New Year uh, weekend, a New Year's Eve weekend. We'll come back in the new year, you and I. Other shows returning to with George Offman in the new year in January. Tell me a story I don't know. And uh, Phil and Mike and the Announcer Schedules podcast will be back as well. John, I've enjoyed it for another calendar year on the Sports yeah. Media Watch podcast. Great stuff. We'll be reading the site, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you, my friend. Happy New Year. And thank you. And uh, looking forward to another great year on this uh, podcast, on the George Offman podcast and Announcer Schedules. And hopefully, uh, you know, a, a good, peaceful year ahead. Let's hope so. For now, we're good. Happy New Year, everybody, from the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.